Darkcast Network. Out of the shadows comes the best of indie podcasts. Between the green mountains and the Teutonics, its rich history and scenic beauty make Bennington, Vermont a favorite spot for hunters, hikers, and historians. But with this quiet town remains a series of unsolved mysteries. And can they be classified as paranormal phenomena? Between 1945 and 1950, five people disappeared in the area surrounding Bennington. Of course, most cases of missing persons in national parks and general wilderness areas can be explained by tragic accidents such as being exploring the great outdoors, succumbing to animal attacks, falling from peaks of mountains, and being exposed to extreme weather. Tonight, we'll explore the reports of the missing people and learn more about the mysterious area known as the Bennington Triangle. My name is DJ, and this is the Mythical True Crime Podcast. Triangle is a phrase coined by American author Joseph Citro to denote the area of southwestern Vermont from which a number of people went missing. It was further popularized in two books, including Shadow Child, in which Citro devoted chapters to discussion of the disappearances and various items of folklore surrounding the area. According to Citro, the area shares characteristics that with the Bridgewater Triangle in southeastern Massachusetts. Precisely what area is encompassed as hypothetical mystery triangle is not clear, but it is purportedly centered around Glastonbury Mountain and would include some or most of the area of towns immediately surrounding it, especially Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. Glastonbury and its neighboring township, Somerset, were once both moderately thriving logging towns and industrial in their own right, but began to decline towards the late 19th century and are now essentially ghost towns. Unincorporated by an act of the Vermont General Assembly in 1937. According to Citro's books, stories of strange happenings had been told about Glastonbury and the area for years best known probably of which is the disappearance of Paula Jean Weldon. However, the first disappearance occurred on November 12, 1945, when 74-year-old Middle Rivers disappeared while out hunting in the vicinity of Long Trail Road and Vermont Route 9. Rivers was on a weekend hunting trip with four other hunters up the mountains. The morning of November 12th, Rivers and his son-in-law, Joe Lousen, were walking together before reaching a fork. Rivers and Lousen both separated there, with Rivers telling Lousen that he would be, quote, only be going a short distance before he would join them at the camp for lunch. As 3 p.m. had come and gone, the rest of the hunting party would 
begin searching before getting authorities. An extensive search was conducted, but the only evidence discovered was a single rifle cartridge that was found in a stream. Speculation was that Rivers had leaned over and the cartridge fell out of his pocket into the water. Rivers was an experienced outdoorsman who was familiar with the local area. Over a year later, the most famous case was reported when Paula Jean Weldon, aged 18, disappeared on December 1st, 1946. Weldon, a sophomore at Bennington College, had set out for a hike on the Long Trail. Many saw her depart, including Ernest Whitman, a Bennington Banner employee who gave her directions. She was not wearing a jacket during her journey. It was 50 degrees Fahrenheit outside, later dropping to 9 degrees Fahrenheit. Weldon was alleged to have been seen on the trail itself by an elderly couple who were about 100 yards away. According to them, she turned the corner in the trail, and when they reached the same corner, she had disappeared. An extensive search also was conducted, which had posted a $5,000 reward and help from the FBI, but no evidence of her was ever found. Weldon's disappearance was the inspiration for the 1951 novel Hangs a Man by Shirley Jackson. Later in 1949, James E. Tedford, a veteran, allegedly went missing December 1st, 1949, three years to the day Weldon was last seen. Tedford, a resident at Bennington Soldiers Home, had been in St. Albans visiting relatives and was accompanied to a local bus station, which was the last location where he was seen. According to witnesses, Tedford got on the bus and was still aboard it at the last stop before arriving in Bennington. Somewhere between the last stop and Bennington, he vanished. His belongings were still in the luggage rack, and the open bus timetable said that he was in a vacant seat. Tony Jinx discusses this claim, saying that, quote, The popular conception is that he vanished into thin air while on the bus. But like many missing person stories, there's a gap between when he was last seen and when he was reported missing a week or so later. Regarding Tedford's disappearance, there isn't enough evidence to suggest that he didn't dematerialize, even though there's no trace of him that would have ever been found. On October 12, 1950, Paul Jepson, aged eight, had been accompanying his mother in a truck. She left her son unattended for about an hour while she fed some pigs. When she returned, her son was nowhere in sight. Search parties were formed to look for the child, but nothing was ever found. Though Jepson was wearing a bright red jacket that would have made him more visible in the dense forest. According to one story, bloodhounds tracked the boy to a local highway where, according to local legend, Weldon had disappeared four years earlier. On October 28, 1950, 16 days after Jepson had vanished, Freda Langer, aged 53, and her cousin, Herbert Eisler, 
left their family campsite near Somerset Reservoir to go for a hike. During their journey, Langer slipped and fell into the stream, in which she told Elsner that he would wait. She would go back to the campsite, change clothes, and catch up to him. She never returned. Elsner went back to the campsite and discovered that Langer had not returned and that nobody had ever seen her since they had left. Over the next two weeks, five searches were conducted, involving aircraft, helicopters, and up to 300 searchers. No trace of Langer had ever been found. Later, on May 12, 1951, Langer's body was found three and a half miles from the campsite to the eastern branch of the Deerfield River, an area which had only been lightly searched seven months previously. No cause of death was determined. The condition of the remains prevented that. No direct connections had been identified that ties those cases together other than the general geographic area and time period. Now, because four of the five disappearances remain unsolved, rumors and theories are plentiful. Indian legend tells of a rock that swallows those who step on it. Some folks believe that a Bigfoot-like creature named the Pennington Monster is responsible for the mishaps. Of course, other cite alien abductions as possible causes, and some speculations talk about a gateway to some new dimension. Were these five autumn disappearances the work of a serial killer? A string of coincidental misadventures? For now, the mysterious Glastonbury Mountain and the Bennington Triangle hide the secrets. What are your thoughts on the Bennington Triangle? I'd love to hear it. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook if you'd like to drop me a line. And if you like these and the other episodes that I've provided, uh, please consider subscribing. When you subscribe, not only do you help me out monetarily, but it helps keep the show going. It's greatly appreciated, and if you do decide to, thank you very much. And now we'll move on to part two of our paranormal places with Bridgewater Triangle. Located just 30 miles south of Boston, this 200 square mile area has Massachusetts towns Abington, Freetown, and Rehoboth at its angles. The town of Bridgewater is located nearly dead center within the triangle of these areas that also encompass six other Massachusetts towns. Now, within this area, claims to be the site of alleged paranormal phenomenon, ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, orbs, balls of fire, and other spectral phenomenon, various Bigfoot sightings, giant snakes, and even thunderbirds. The term was coined by a New England-based cryptozoologist, Lauren Coleman. The specific boundaries of the Bridgewater Triangle were first described in his book, Mysterious America. Now, with so much stuff happening, you, what you really need to know are about the mysterious landmarks within this area. First is the Hockamock Swamp. The Hockamock Swamp, a 5,000-plus acre area, lies within the western section of Bridgewater Triangle and is the hub to many paranormal reports. Also, the site is of an 8,000-year-old Native American burial ground 
when archaeologists opened the graves in the grassy aisle. The red ochre within the tombs bubbled and then mysteriously disappeared. Photographs were taken at the excavation, but they didn't develop. This swamp area remains shrouded in superstition, called the place where spirits dwell by the Wampanoag tribe of the Native American Algonquin nation. The Wampanoag avoid the Hockamock Swamp, and the area remains filled with foreboding. On the banks of the Towton River, Dighton Rock lies across the grassy island burial grounds of the Hockamock Swamp. Numerous inscriptions of unknown origins are carved into the face of this rock. Although various speculations attribute them to the Native Americans, Vikings, and even Phoenicians, their identity has never been specifically determined. Profile Rock is another Bridgewater Triangle landmark that has gained a paranormal reputation. Located in Freetown, from a nearby hill, the rock shows a clear portrait of a Native American face looking out from the stone. Long ago, before the Massachusetts colonists arrived, the Wampanoag people considered the profile rock sacred. Local legends claim that Native American ghost dancers in warrior dress dance around profile rock. Located in Hockamock Swamp near Route 44 in Rehoboth, Anawan Rock is named after Chief Anawan and is the site of where Chief Anawan surrendered to the colonists, ending King Philip's War. Legend says that the angry spirit of Chief Anawan's warriors continue to haunt the area, starting spectral fires and even ghost dancing. Paranormal researcher Lauren Coleman, who named Bridgewater Triangle in the 1970, revived public attention to the many paranormal reports emanating from that area. Aside from the number and diversity of paranormal reports, what is phenomenal about Bridgewater Triangle is that the first report of paranormal activity was made over three centuries ago in the year 1760. Story goes, at 10 a.m. on May 10, 1760, a sphere of fire was reported to hover over New England and emit a light so bright that it cast shadows in the morning sun. After this quick message, we'll be right back. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to subscribe to the show so you can hear all the other episodes, as well as what we have coming up in the next few weeks. Reportedly, the light was seen from both Bridgewater and Roxbury. Since then, the area has spawned a diversity of reports that include paranormal events that range from ghost dancers to UFOs to cryptogeological sightings. The 1760 report is likely the first documented UFO report on the planet. However, it certainly wasn't the last UFO report come out of Bridgewater. Halloween 1908 marked another UFO sighting, documented in the local newspapers. In 1968, 
Five people claimed that they saw a strange ball of light floating amongst the trees in the wooded part of Rehoboth. In 1970s, UFO sightings were frequently reported to occur in different areas of the Bridgewater Triangle. One 1976 report, two UFOs were seen landing alongside Route 44 near Taunton. In 1994, a Bridgewater law enforcement officer reported seeing a triangular-shaped craft with red and white lights hovering above the surface of the Earth. The town of Rainman frequently received reports of glowing balls of light floating over the ground in the local dog track. Mysterious creatures have also been sighted in Bridgewater. Cryptozoological sightings are numerous and varied throughout the Triangle. In 1970, reports of a Bigfoot-like, seven-foot-tall, hairy monster and its footprints instigated both the Bridgewater and Massachusetts State Police Canine Unit to conduct a search for what was thought to be a bear. However, neither man nor bear were found. In 1978, paranormal researcher Joseph D'Andre claims to have observed another such creature as it slowly walked into the brush from the Hockamock Swamp, about 200 yards from his location. He chronicled his sightings in his 1997 book, Passing Strange, True Tales of New England Hauntings and Horrors. Of course, not all the creatures that allegedly inhabit Bridgewater Triangle are landbound. Since 1971, several sightings of phenomenally large black birds with wingspans that stretched from 8 to 12 feet have been reported as well. Coincidentally, the first of these reports originated from Bird Hill in Hockamock Swamp. In 1974, two of these avian creatures were allegedly seen fighting in midair. Now, besides the legends that tell Native American dancers and reports of several contemporarily ghostly specters, have also come out from Bridgewater Triangle, such as a mysterious red-headed hitchhiker that haunts the stretch of Route 44. There's also a ghostly phantom that appears in Hockamock Swamp near Route 138. And from Freetown, a ghostly trucker is rumored to speed along the winding Copacut Road, blaring his horn and threatening passing motorists. Let's also mention historical places that were man-made. Bridgewater State University is reported to have several buildings and rooms that are haunted by ghosts and other paranormal phenomenon. Haunton State Hospital says they have some visitors uh, that have claimed to see strange paranormal experiences within the hospital, such as being touched or pulled into certain areas of the hospital. It is also claimed that the hospital was used by satanic cults during the 1960s and 70s. Hornbine School has a one-room schoolhouse which was built in the 1840s and remains active until 1937. The building is alleged to be haunted by its former inhabitants. There's also one creature from Algonquin folklore, the Pukwudgie. Local Wampanoag people consider them to be various dangerous tricksters. 
They've been especially associated with the Freetown State Forest within Bridgewater Triangle. According to legend, Pukwudgies can appear and disappear at will. Shapeshift, of which the most common form of the creature looks like a porcupine from the back and a half-troll, half-human from the front and walks upright, lures peoples to their deaths and use magic launch poison arrows and create fire from nothing. Native Americans believed that Pukwudgies were once friendly to humans, but then turned against them and are best left alone. According to lore, a person who is annoyed with a Pukwudgie would be subject to nasty tricks by it, or subject to be followed by a Pukwudgie, who would then cause trouble for them. They're also known to kidnap people, push them off cliffs, attack their victims with short knives and spears, and use sand to blind them. Pukwudgies are said to be enemies of the cultural heroes Granny Squanet and the Marshop. One story from Wampanoag folklore explains that they began causing mischief tormenting the natives out of jealousy of their devotion and affection the natives had for Marshap, who believed and eventually exiled them to different parts of North America. Pukwudgies have been since hostile to humans and took revenge by killing Marshap's five sons. Some variations even suggest that they killed Marshap himself. So those of you that think Pukwudgies actually sound familiar, you may have also noticed that they are in the Harry Potter universe. Described in the Pottermore website, J.K. Rowling describes the creatures as uh, Pukwudgie is native to America, short, gray-faced, large-eared creature, distantly related to European goblins, fiercely independent, tricky, and not overly fond of humankind, whether magical or mundane, and they possess their own powerful magic. Pukwudgies hunt with deadly poisonous arrows and enjoy playing tricks on humans. So there you have it. Both the Bennington and Bridgewater Triangles are also known as vile vortices. The most famous vile vortices are that of the Bermuda Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle, which is in the Devil's Sea, and the South Atlantic Anomaly but those are another show. Thank you very much for listening to tonight's stories. If you have any suggestions, please contact me on social media. Look up Mythical True Crime Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also if you're listening on your favorite podcast player, please consider following the link and subscribing. Again, subscribing not only helps me monetarily and keep this show going, but it is greatly appreciated. Once again, you've listened to the Mythical True Crime Podcast. Good night. Thank you very much for listening tonight and being part of the Mythical True Crime community, hosted by me, DJ. Subscribe to Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram to get your weekly updates. And if you like what you hear, consider subscribing. Subscribing will directly support the show and the work that I'm doing. If you'd like to be a new supporter, consider clicking the link in the description box below. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help me continue to make great content for listeners everywhere. No commitment, cancel any time. This has been the Mythical True Crime Podcast. My name is DJ. Good night.